0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of the Believe in USMNT podcast. Today, we have just a few things to discuss. We have the December roster released for the Bosnia and Herzegovina friendly coming on December 18th. We have a new assistant coach to talk about, and then we're going to get into a little bit of a discussion with the U.S. Men's National Team Player of the Year and the U.S. Men's National Team Young Player of the Year. We'll start with the new assistant coach news as it's very exciting to people who have followed the game domestically and FC Dallas specifically. And as a U.S. men's national team supporter, of course, it is hard to ignore FC Dallas. We'll start with the news that Nico Estevez, former assistant coach of the U.S. men's national team under Greg Berhalter and his staff, has gone on to move to FC Dallas and become the head manager over there. And in return, U.S. men's national team have hired Luchi Gonzalez, who was sacked by FC Dallas earlier this year but has a long history of success with FC Dallas. Lucci made the playoffs in both 2019 and 2020, and then after a rough 2021, was sacked by FC Dallas, as I just mentioned. But he had a successful stint as the academy director of FC Dallas from 2012 to 2018. Um, And of course, we know what FC Dallas has produced. We know that Ricardo Pepe is, of course, part of the national team and plenty of other FC Dallas alum. And then, of course, we have Justin Shea, Dante Silly and other young players to be excited about that FC Dallas has helped develop. And there's a positive that comes in that Lucci Gonzalez knows a lot of these young players. He knows Justin Shea, who's of course part of that December roster, which we're going to get to in just a minute. But he also knows Ricardo Pepe. He knows a bunch of other young players. Uh, Justin Ferreira might have more of a say in the future, both World Cup qualifying and of course, in this December window again, as we'll get to that roster in just a moment. But as you know, there's plenty of young FC Dallas players a part of this, and Luchi Gonzalez knows them all personally, and knows them more likely to an extent than Greg Berhalter. So of course, there's a positive in someone like Luchi Gonzalez coming onto the staff. And prior to this, he was actually linked with the U20 job, and that unfortunately didn't um, it, it didn't come to, to be. But nonetheless, it's an exciting hire for the U.S. men's national team. And for me personally, I'm really excited about it. And I think anybody who has followed the game domestically will be excited by this hire. Now heading on to that December camp, because it does have a few FC Dallas players, as I had mentioned. uh, Let's just take a look at some of what we've got. We do have Gabriel Slonina on the roster. For those who don't know, he is the Chicago Fire teenage goalkeeper who... In the second half of the season really started to make a name for himself was with the u20s uh in november for the revelations cup and he's an exciting young goalkeeper in fact he's a really exciting young goalkeeper Um, And then he's with John Polskamp and Matt Turner. So Matt Turner will provide the experience for the younger goalkeepers. Polskamp is, of course, with uh, Sporting Kansas City and Slonina, like I mentioned, is with the Chicago Fire and is a really, really exciting young keeper. And something to keep in mind with him is he has previously stated that uh, if Poland were to come knocking on the door, he would be interested in um, playing for them. He didn't say one way or the other what he would prefer. I don't believe, but I do know for a fact that he did mention he would like to give Poland a try if they were interested in him. So it's good to see that early on, like many young dual nationals, Greg Berhalter is getting to it and giving him an opportunity to impress and for Greg Berhalter to learn about the young player. I'm not sure if we see Matt Turner in this game. I'm not sure if we see one of the two younger goalkeepers. I would guess more likely Slonina if Greg did turn away from Turner. I'm not sure what we see. Again, this is a friendly. There's going to be a bunch of substitutes. It is a 26-man roster. A lot of these players are debutantes um, in U.S. Men's National Team camps. And then, of course, you do have some of the more veterans. We've got Zimmerman. We've got Aaron Long. We've got Zardes. We'll get to a few of those names in just a second. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure where we're going to go with the goalkeeping decision, but it is really exciting to see Slonina with the U.S. Men's National Team. Um, and I'm excited that hopefully this means in the future we can – steer away from conversation with Poland with him, and he can commit his future to the U.S. men's national team. But as we know with Ochoa, of course, David Ochoa, who did choose the Mexican national team over the U.S. men's national team, um, there's a a bit of competition at the goalkeeper spot for the U.S. men's national team. They do have Zach Steffen. They do have Matt Turner, who, of course, are both fighting for that number one spot. Uh, I'm not even sure we know who Greg prefers. But either way, it's nice to have two good goalkeepers, um, you know, heading into the prime of their career. And it would it's nice to have a young goalkeeper to look forward to for beyond that, because we know U.S. men's national team fans know goalkeeper is one of the positions which we do tend to have more confidence in over the, the past few decades. Uh, and it's nice to have somebody to look forward to after this Stefan and Turner era. And let's be honest, for those who have watched Lonina and know a lot about his game. Who knows where we are in a few years? Um, He's not going to take over before the 2022 World Cup, of course, but by 2026, you never know what might happen with a young goalkeeper like that, especially the way he started his career really strongly with the Chicago Fire, a team that was leaky in the beginning of the season, and then he allowed them to pick up a few clean sheets along the way, including an impressive New York City FC side twice, I believe, uh, which, of course, are headed to to the MLS Cup final. So no small feat, excuse me. Now I'm looking at the roster here, so I'll do a quick rundown starting with the center backs of all the defenders. We've got Walker Zimmerman, Austin Trustee, Aaron Long, Henry Kessler, Kobe Henry, and then potentially where Greg sees Justin Shea's game now. He could be included on that list or perhaps on the right back list. We'll see. Zimmerman and Aaron Long are, of course, players U.S. Men's National Team fans will be familiar with. Austin Trusty's been around MLS for a few years, so if you watch MLS, you'll probably be familiar with him. But, of course, uh, not a name you'd expect to see, uh, you know, a World Cup qualifying roster. So good to see a player like him get the opportunity with Greg, even though I'm not quite sure what the future holds for somebody like him. Good to see that Greg does want to give him an opportunity. Like I said, Justin Shea, if he's here um, or excuse me, if he's a center back, it'll be interesting. He's been playing right back for FC Dallas this season after returning from a loan from uh, FC Bayern 2 where he played at both center back and right back but mostly center back again also mostly playing with kids his age so easier to to sort of slot into that center back role he's not the biggest kid at his age I believe he just turned 18 so it seems he'll be heading over back to on a more permanent basis in January potentially which is exciting and then hopefully they can develop his game into more of a center back because like I mentioned with FC Dallas he has been playing at right back and he said he doesn't mind playing either center back or right back but I think it would be wise to train somebody like him who Bayern uh, management believed to be so strong on the ball and such a good center back prospect to play center back. Henry Kessler was a part of the Olympic qualifying squad, which of course did not qualify for the Olympics. He was part of a strong New England Revolution team this year. Um, a good young center back who can defend really well. And then Kobe Henry is a young Orange County player who was with the U-20s. And might just be the best uh, U20 center back other than Justin Shea right now, or so it seems based off that Revelations Cup performances uh, just a month ago. For the fullbacks, we've got Brian Reynolds, Kevin Paredes, Brooks Lennon, Jonathan Gomez, and George Bello, and that's a really exciting group of players because on the left side with George Bello, um, Jonathan Gomez, and Kevin Paredes, you've got three really fun excuse me really fun left backs who in my opinion are all straight headed for europe um jonathan gomez is a really important dual national behind pepe i would have had him as the top dual national between the uh the americans and the mexicans so i'd be really really stoked if we could grab him and uh sort of make him a u.s men's national team player on a more permanent basis for those who don't know he was with louisville city one usl young player of the year trained in fc dallas's academy along with his brother johan who is enjoying a, a a stint in Europe as well, and if you listen to my, to my past podcast with Tanner Testman, um, Johan Gomez is the co-host of Chum Chat, the the podcast that both he and Tanner Tessman run, and like I mentioned, Johan is the older brother of Jonathan, so a bit of a bit of a connection there. And like I mentioned, FC Dallas grown moved to to Louisville as he would get a first team opportunity sooner, um, despite it being in USL, and it worked out for him. He's earned a move to Real Sociedad. He'll be moving there in January, and I'm really excited about that. But like I mentioned, he's a dual national um, uh, in American-Mexican, and, Mexican, uh, and it's exciting to see him in the camp for us because he's previously trained with the Mexican national team. And like I mentioned, he really would be a top, top get for the U.S. men's national team, especially at left back where Anthony Robinson seems to be the guy for this cycle, of course. And uh, my, my thinking with, with Robinson is that he's very inconsistent with the U.S. men's national team and jonathan gomez is an exciting young prospect but but he's not the only one in this camp and i think that's what's so exciting about the uh the the future of the left back slot for the u.s men's national team because we've seen what george Bello can do we've seen what sam vines can do obviously vines already has moved to europe with royal antwerp in belgium we know george Bello has been linked with a number of clubs and like i said gomez is on his way to Sociedad already confirmed And then finally, Kevin Paredes, he's a player who can play at left back and left wing. Probably left wing back might be best for him. Uh, We've seen him play all those positions with DC United. He's a fun young player who um, Red Bull Salzburg have been interested in, as well as a number of other clubs in Europe. But Red Bull Salzburg has been the club I've seen most linked with him. People think he could be the Aronson replacement if Aronson does move to Milan, which we haven't talked about on the podcast. But that's somebody who seems to be following him, or if Aronson moves anywhere in the future. Now, is he a ten like Aronson seems to be for Salzburg? Is he going to be a left wing? Perhaps that's what Salzburg think. Uh, but DC United have seen success in playing him a little deeper on that left flank. And either way, he's an exciting young player, and I'm excited to see him with the U.S. men's national team. A much-deserved call-up after the season he had an MLS with D.C. United. If you would have told me when Brooks Lennon was part of the U-20 squad, when he was a part of the Liverpool Academy, that I'd see him on a U.S. men's national team listed as a defender, I'd be shocked. But here we are. Uh, he's, a, he's a fun fullback. He's been with Atlanta United. I'm not sure exactly what his potential looks like for the future of the U.S. men's national team in that regard um but uh, but i think he's probably earned a call up and he's a good young player and he's a name that u.s youth national team fans will be most familiar with and then of course brian reynolds of course not a domestic based player he left fc dallas for roma last year in 20 or excuse me this year in the beginning of 2021 what a long year it's been um and it hasn't gone it hasn't gone too well he's gotten a few appearances before Mourinho took over this summer he got A few appearances under Mourinho but has essentially been frozen out and if not alone it might be a full transfer for him in January away for Roma not a good investment for them didn't go their way Um, but it's good to see him with the U.S. men's national team because of course prior to being frozen out by Roma he was one of the top right back prospects we had he's one of the reasons when we lost Araujo to to Mexico a lot of people didn't have much fear because we had Dest we had Reynolds <clears throat> we had Reggie Cannon excuse me and then of course we had players like Skelly who we're not yet at the level that they're at now but we're just you know uh an exciting right back prospect but Reynolds of course has fallen off a bit in terms of stock since then so I'd like to see him get some U.S. 17 minutes and I'd like to see him move away from Roma in the January window whether that be permanent or on a loan move either way getting him minutes would be a success in Europe but uh, I I think moving away from Mourinho might be his best option. Moving into a small midfielder list. We have Kellen Acosta. Of course, people will be familiar with Cole Bassett, who I'll get to in just a second, Christian Roldan, who people will be familiar with Jackson Yule. People will be, um, (laughs) might not be too happy to see on the list. Others may be happy. And then Johnny Cardoso, who of course is in Brazil, who committed to the U S men's national team. Of course, the Brazilian American, um, So Kellen Acosta people will be familiar with, of course, and then Christian Roldan. I don't think we need much to say on either of those players. Jackson Yule, of course, a six who has not quite won fans over with the U.S. men's national team. He's almost the polar opposite of what Tyler Adams is as a six. And listen, I know Greg Berhalter wants some sort of familiarity with his system and his training in these camps, and I know it can't just be a bunch of teenagers being called into the U.S. men's national team all the time, especially in a 26-man roster where not everybody's going to play. It's important for him to not just call in a bunch of 18-, 19-year-olds. I get that. But for Jackson Ewell, who I don't think... Has somehow, despite Greg Berhalter seemingly so happy with him very, very early in his stint as U.S. Ben's national team manager, to be completely forced out of the team since. I'm not too sure why he's being called into this camp, but either way, it is what it is. Um, the six options aren't great behind Tyler Adams. We know this, and I think we'll probably see that highlighted in this camp, despite it just being a friendly. Cole Bassett's a fun one, though. I believe there were rumors he turned down Benfica um in in the summer window and I think he'll probably get his move in January if he would like it I think from what I heard he just wanted the minutes and he didn't think Benfica would be able to provide first team minutes right away so a very mature decision for a young player um he's of course with at the Colorado Rapids he came through with Sam Vines who of course he is younger than and then Kellen Acosta the other Colorado Rapids player here along with Austin Trusty with the latter two not actually being um Colorado Rapids produced and then moving forward into the forwards, this is why I think perhaps that midfield list looks so small is because there's some players here who I'm a little surprised are listed as forwards. We'll start... Well, we'll I'll just read through the list and then we'll we'll break down the players individually. So we've got Taylor Booth, Caden Clark, Cade Cowell, Jesus Frere, Jordan Morris, Ricardo Pepe, and Jossie Zardes. I'm happy to see Ricardo Pepe with this team as one of the you know the few players here who have World Cup qualifying experience. It's good to see him with young players, even though his age uh it seems he has a very different experience of course to them and of course he does so i'm happy to see him not going to spend too much more time talking about him not going to spend much time talking about zardas who i'm fine seeing on the roster uh I, i don't think many fans should be that upset again i think there has to be some sort of familiarity with greg berhalter with his system with his training and some experience in the camp and either way despite what some people think of him he isn't too far down on the the list of strikers that Greg Berghalter has in front of him um, at full at full capacity with this team so happy to see him there great to see Jordan Morris back for those of you I'm sure everybody's aware the the long injury that he faced he's finally back he got in a few games with Seattle towards you know as the playoffs started uh, and, and I'm really happy to see him with the U.S. men's national team very happy to have him back jesus ferreira is a player i'm excited keeps getting opportunities under greg berhalter we know what he can do he came on against mexico of course uh and he's a good he's a fun young player he's very different to the other players we have he's he, he links play a lot better than the other nines he's not quite a tradi- traditional nine he's played alongside pepe for fc dallas all season and he's, he's a fun young player i'm really happy he's here cade cowell caden clark these are you know 18 year olds who really saw their breakthrough this year people probably knew Cowell a little bit longer perhaps uh caden clark also last season towards the end of last season when he did sign that professional deal with the red bulls he of course um you know he he kind of shined out a little bit and then this season probably you know i definitely expected him to have a bit brighter of a season but either way a good young talent he's off to leipzig in january of course but Uh, There's potential for him to be loaned, whether that be to the New York Red Bulls, whether that be in Europe, whether that be elsewhere, who knows. Um, But yeah, a a top player with the U-20s, him and Paxson Aronson are two players I expect to be sort of two of the top players in a very, very exciting class of 2003s with that under-20 group. Cade Cowell, of course, right alongside them. San Jose Earthquakes, Winger, who, I, I mean, he can really play along the front three, but Winger for me. Lightning Quick been linked with big big clubs in Europe we'll see where he ends up uh, I, I think I'm okay with him staying another season in MLS and really break through sort of like we saw Pepe this year really break through and become a top top young player I think Cade Cowell has that potential and he hasn't uh, quite hit that level yet like Caden Clark who's already off to Europe I think I'd like i like to see the Pepe route where they do have a nice season in MLS Busio, of course success in MLS before moving over to Syria. And then we sort of see, you know, you get the Brian Reynolds who have strong season, strong half season, whatever the case may be, and then make the jump. Doesn't always work out. So I like the peppy route, find success in MLS before making that jump. Um, And we'll see if we get that from both Cal and Clark in the future. But nonetheless, excited for them to be with the U.S. men's national team. And then finally, Taylor Booth. He's somebody who U.S. youth national team fans um, at this stage with the with the amount of talent we're producing. And how quickly we get these new players like Caden Clark and and Cade Cowell, of of course. Um, With how quick these players come up, Taylor Booth almost feels like he's been around for a long, long time. He's with Bayern at the moment. Uh, Bayern 2, he was on loan at St. Poulton, where Ulysses Yanis is now. He was at loan um, there in Austria last season. And then he's, I, I was hoping for a Bundesliga loan perhaps this season, or back to Austria, or back to a European, you know, a top flight division in Europe. But Bayern have decided to hold on to him. He's with FC Bayern, too. I'm sure he's one of the, the top, top performers with FC Bayern, too. Though I must admit, I, of course, don't track them too closely. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure why he's in the forward um, category here on the roster. But he is, for me, probably more likely to sit in the midfield. Um, he did have an impact on St. Poulton last year in the top, the, the top division of Austria. As soon as he got there, adding goals and assists. But... Uh, yeah, it might be a bit of a late bloomer. I mean, he's gone through Byron's academy. He was, of course, raised in, in the Real Salt Lake Academy and has moved on to Byron. But might be a little bit of a late bloomer as we've seen a lot of these kids sort of take off at 18 years old. Booth's got a few more years on them. Um, but I'm excited for his future. And nonetheless, it's exciting to have players at Byron who who are believed in by Byron management. I think um, Nagelsmann didn't want to let him go. I, I believe that might have been one of the reasons why why he didn't find a lone move. Uh, but it's exciting um, to have Taylor Booth in this in this roster. He's a name that I definitely didn't expect to see on this, um, but a player that I, I like watching a lot. And that's the roster. Uh, and now I want to just take a very brief look at – I didn't plan on making this very long podcast, so we're just going to take a brief look at the, the male player of the year nominees and then, of course, the young um, young male player of the year nominees. We're going to start, like I said, with the male – We have Brendan Aronson, Kellen Acosta, Weston McKenney, Christian Pulisic, Miles Robinson, and Matt Turner. Now, Kellen Acosta was a part of both the Gold Cup winning squad and the Nations League winning squad and putting good performances in both tournaments. Uh, Matt Turner, of course, um, people have been calling for him to take that U.S. Men's National Team number one. And he's, made him, he's given himself a chance to do so. For a little bit, it looked like he was going to be that guy. Now Zach Steffen has returned, and it looks like Greg Berhalter really has two good goalkeepers on his hands, which is a good thing. Um, is he the number one? We'll see. For some people, he's the number one. For some people, Zach Steffen's very much preferred. Obviously a hot topic, which we have discussed on this podcast a few times now, so not going to go over that too much. But uh, a Male Player of the Year nominee nonetheless. Miles Robinson is on the list who really broke out during the Gold Cup more than anything else, and then, of course, has been with the team through World Cup qualifiers. He is somebody who is linked to Europe, he is the Atlanta United center back. Um, he had a great year. Now, is he a male player of the year for me? No, but he had a really, really strong year and uh, really broke his way into the US men's national team, so I'm happy with that. Brendan Aronson, now we're kind of getting towards the more top end guys. Um, not quite the level of the other two we'll get to, but Brendan Aronson, great year with Salzburg, better year with the U.S. Men's National Team. Conson contributed to goals, whether that be a goal or an assist, uh, and really provided strong, strong depth for when both Gio and Pulisic were out. And uh, for me, he is a he's a strong candidate for this for this award. Um, Weston McKennie, Christian Pulisic are the final two. These are the two you expect to see on the sheet, or excuse me, on this nomination list. For the next decade probably right and for the past couple years Weston McKinney of course had his his very small um, which seemed very large at the time his issue um, of not being able to stay with the U.S. men's national team in that first World Cup qualifying window because of some disciplinary uh, reasons outside of the field Um, but he has been a strong player since then in the the tail end of 2021 he's been a strong player Christian Pulisic has come up, of course, with the late goal against Mexico in, of course, the Nations League final, the penalty. And then, of course, he came up with the, the first goal in the, the most recent Doza Cero against Mexico. And, of course, you know what Christian Pulisic can do. A great year, Champions League winner. Um, great year for Christian Pulisic. Again, another strong candidate. For me, I'm happy to see it go to, to Pulisic or Aronson. Um, and, and for me... It, strictly based off US men's national team performances like I said Pulisic came up with big moments but Aronson was a consistent performer throughout the year who really gained Greg's trust in a position that you know he shares a position with Christian Pulisic it's not an easy place to to really win over a manager so a really strong year for him and I would not be upset to win if I saw him win at all and then on to the young male player of the year we have George Bello Jean Gianluca Busio, Jesus Ferreira Yunus Musa, and Ricardo Pepe now, Bello was one of two left-backs, of course, um, with Sam Vines, who really showed what they could do this year. Uh, we know Anthony Robinson was sort of, for me, the lone left-back for some time. Um, and then Bello and Vines sort of came through, which was exciting to see. So Bello's on this list. Gianluca Busio made a, a jump to Venezia and Serie A this year and you know made his U.S. Benz national team debut. Uh, an exciting young midfielder. Jesus Ferreira, I've already talked about. Like I said, I like him a lot. Different to our other nines. Um, and then Yunus Musa and Ricardo Pepe. Those are the two favorites for this award, of course. I think Yunus Musa for me, um, completely different profile to Weston McKenney. I love his ball progression. I think he's exactly what the U.S. men's national team midfield has needed. Um, and for me, probably a top, top player. And then Ricardo Pepe, of course. Not much left to say about Ricardo Pepe. Like I said, Musa and Pepe are favorites for this award. I think based on the hype of everything Pepe's going through in his career, would not be shocked to see him win it. But for me, Yunus Musa is one of the most influential players on the field when he is on the field for the U.S. men's national team. So one of those two should win the award. Um, and that's all I've got for you today. We don't have much going on with, um, you know, the, the club teams. You can only talk about what individuals are doing for so long. And then, of course, when you have the top guys, uh, Adam's getting not less minutes, as in it's a bad thing, but Adam's not going 90 as much as he previously has. Pulisic, of course, you know, not getting the minutes U.S. Men's National Team fans want. And then Weston McKinney recently picking up an injury. Gio Reyna's out, of course. You know, when there's a lot of the top guys out, it's not always easy to to sort of make a 20-, 30-minute podcast going around individuals and their performances. Um but i'm happy with the the game against bosnia we have a few things to discuss obviously the lucci news the the player of the year awards and then the roster itself filled up about 25 almost 30 minutes today so that's all i've got for you thank you all for listening i really appreciate it and i'll see you soon thanks everybody